1: Listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at Pastor Scott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome back
2: to the Pastor Scott Show, hour two. We are together each and every day from 3 to 5 right here on the station. You can call in and join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also watch us on our live stream at kkla.com, and uh, you can check it out and do that. And I'll I'll wave hello, and I'll pretend that I see you, or maybe I do. You never know these days uh, what kind of things are going on. Hey, one of the big stories in the news, and what we do is we take a look at the news from a Christian perspective, One of the big stories in the news is the United Nations agency that is overseas, basically uh, uh, Palestinians in several – in Gaza Strip and the West Bank and Jordan and a couple other countries in Syria. Um, The United States, Germany, Canada, UK and six other Western nations have – uh, stopped the funding for the united nations u n r w a it 's united nation uh, relief and workers group i 'll find that in a second what it means, but they did it because they discovered that some of the employees actually personally participated in the attack on Israel on october seventh it 's not just that the employees sort of knew about it didn 't say anything or knew about it, and uh, you know were somehow complicit or tacitly complicit, no, they actually did it. Uh, They actually were involved. And one of the things I want to talk about is why we shouldn't be surprised about that, by the way, if you study what's happening in that region. And it matters. If you care about peace coming there, if you care about—and I know that in the big picture with Israel, and scripturally speaking, there will probably never be—there certainly won't be peace until Jesus comes back, but there might be eras of peace. You know, we've had—there's peace agreements that have happened with Egypt, and there's peace agreements that have happened—that uh, was about to happen with Israel and Saudi Arabia, and there's peace between Israel and Jordan, and there's there's a lot of Peace for periods of time. And certainly you'd like the bombing to stop and you would like there to be some sort of situation where there is a legitimate ceasefire. That's what people want to have. Now, there are so many tensions that are underneath there of hate and animosity. And uh, I don't think scripturally that's going to happen ultimately. And I also think because of what is being taught and because of the anti-Semitism that is rooted deeply in uh, the United Nations, by the way, and particularly in this group of of people who run this relief organization for the United Nations. It's not going to happen. And we're going to show you why. There's a group called uh, UN Watch. And UN Watch is not some silly group that's just out there, you know, on uh, social media or something. UN Watch is an actual organization that is an NGO that is uh, based in Geneva, Switzerland, and it monitors And it's been approved by the United Nations. It is basically the watchdog group for the United Nations, which is a good thing. It's a good thing to have a watchdog group for anything, right? And, uh, so what they do is they, this is their official thing, they monitor the performance of the United Nations and, and UN Watch promotes human rights, democracy, and the rule of law. And it was established in 1993. And uh, their goal is to hold the United Nations accountable for its actions and decisions and particularly focusing on issues related to human rights and exposing instances where the organization may deviate from its stated principles. The organization frequently engages in advocacy, publishes reports, and blah, 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 all those things. Okay, so it's a legitimate organization. It is an organization that what you should know is for 10 years has been screaming about the United Nations workers, in particularly the Gaza Strip, and how they are participating. They run a lot of schools. And what is in the curriculum in those schools? And what's in the curriculum is anti-Israel hate. And this has been a battle for a while, and now it has come to the surface that many people who actually have worked, at least 12 people personally participated in what happened on the 7th, and now there is uncovered, and this just came out yesterday, a, a Telegram group. You know what Telegram is? Isn't that right, Wilbert? Is it Telegram's that chat thing that uh, so many people are, and I keep getting all these things. Uh, so I'm saying it's Telegram.
3: Yeah, it's like a private... It's messenger. Like
2: a, it's like a private messenger chat program, but people use it for all sorts of purposes, sometimes keeping up with family, and then there's a bunch of nefarious purposes. And, you know, it's not really monitored, and people can say what they want on there. Well, they've been monitoring that, and in the group that is made for teachers, the United Nations teachers in, uh, in Gaza and the West Bank in particular, 1,200 people have at different times over uh, – in a short period of time advocated for the murder of Jews. And These are the United Nations workers. These are the people who are – and this is one of the groups that is receiving billions and billions and billions of of your tax dollars and mine. We like to say government money, right? It's, it's not government money. It's your money. All these nations that have temporarily blocked it. The Trump administration, by the way, stopped funding altogether because of these accusations. The Biden administration brought it back. This is a Republican presidential candidate, Nikki Haley, talking about this. She was the ambassador for the United Nations when this occurred.
4: Well, UNRWA is the type of organization where they claim that they have, um, you know, their refugees are everywhere and they claim they're in the millions. And they go and they have, you know, terrible things in textbooks about Israelis and they continue to overspend and they're corrupt. And so what we said was, look, you need to reform on multiple levels. We need to look at exactly what number you have of refugees. We need you to clean the textbooks. We need to see how you're spending. And all they did was just poor mouth. And they would always come back and say, no, we need money. If you don't give us money, the schools would close. Well, that's when I went to President Trump and I said, don't give them the money. They poor mouth every time and never have the schools closed? And why aren't the Arab countries paying for this? Why is the United States giving what had already been $6 billion to UNRWA? And um, we didn't give the money. We gave half, um, against my advice. We gave half. And they still protested us in the streets. And that was all we needed to know. They didn't want to change. They wanted to continue doing whatever it took to continue to have money coming into UNRWA. And, you know, when you have those organizations that are a farce like that, you have to call them out for what they are. But the last thing America needs to be doing is funding them. And so that's why we got out of it.
2: They're funded to the billions of dollars. You know, if you wanted to know where Hamas gets their money. Why do they have such a huge military budget? It's hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Why do they have such a huge uh, payment? Why do their top leaders get paid? Why do they all become billionaires? It's because the tax money that goes through not just this UN organization, but also the WHO, also UNICEF, a couple other organizations, other, other things that, that primarily Western nations, by the way, have been giving to help the Palestinian people. It doesn't go to them. And this is something that we're understanding. I think it may be a bigger level than we used to, but it doesn't go to them. Hamas steals it and they use it for the military. They use it to build their tunnels that they built. And, uh, you know, 80 percent of Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip are in poverty. And yet billions of dollars of relief money has been flowing in out of your pocket and mine to help those people. And it doesn't go there. So UN Watch is the organization that is meant to help this from not, you know, keep this from happening. And they've been screaming about this for years. And it has finally come out. Uh, and it's coming out uh, right now, how bad it is. Their leader, his name is Hillel C. Neuer, I think is how you pronounce his name. He was on ABC News. And uh, this is what he had to say.
4: Today, we could learn more about allegations of war crimes against at least a dozen employees from the U.N. Relief and Works Agency. This comes after a report from Israel alleged the workers were complicit in the October 7th attacks in Israel. The U.N. has not denied the claims, but they say they have fired those employees.
2: It turns out that, and I'll get to him in a second, it turns out that they fired 10 of them and two, you know, nine of them, two of them are dead and they don't know where the other person is. Uh, and these are people who participated in the attack. But what you're gonna hear and begin to understand is it's much deeper. There's 13,000 employees for UNRWA. So a lot of people, you know, have come out and they've said, well, you know, you really can't throw out the whole thing because of all the good that they do. But over the past 70, 80 years, they started in 1948, 75 years. They have been an organization that is specific to Palestinian refugees in a way that's different than the way the United Nations handles refugees from any other part of the world. In fact, what they have done – and this is the criticism that you'll find for uh, UNRWA – is they exist basically to make sure that you're refugees forever. Some people are refugees who have never left. and I don't know how you can be a refugee when you never left. But there are reasons – Uh, for that and that has to get exposed. Here is the head of UN Watch.
3: Well, we've exposed a telegram chat group of 3,000 UNRWA teachers in Gaza who, on the one hand, were exchanging information on technical things that teachers need to know about, their work schedules, salary payments, and the like. At the same time, interspersed with that were numerous messages, photos, videos on October 7th celebrating the massacre. Things like uh, these uh, holy martyrs, these shahids who are carrying out these attacks, they are heroes, they are princes. How can we educate our children like them was one question. The other answered, well, they were breastfed on jihad. So these are kind of the, the exchanges on this UNRWA telegram chat group, chat group with photos and videos of the attacks. We're talking about thousands of teachers uh, on this group not one of them ever objected and said this is wrong they were all uh, whoever spoke on this issue was cheering terrorist attacks these are un teachers
2: the things that they were accused of are pretty brutal this is from the new york times okay this is the uh, the liberal new york times who probably will support this organization in the in the bigger scope, but even they have had to report on this. One is accused of kidnapping a woman, another said to have handed out ammunition, and it gets more and more serious. Some participated in the attack uh, on the kibbutz that killed 97 people, and it gets uh, more and more disturbing the more you get into what's happening here. And I'm bringing this up because I think we need to understand this, especially as a country who gives 300 and some million, 100 million dollars a year to UNRWA, to this particular United Nation group to go to Gaza. We are by far the organization or the country that gives the most, 343.9 million, Germany, 202 million every year. Uh, the European Union, the EU 114 million, Sweden 61, Norway 34, Japan 30, France 28, uh, Saudi Arabia 27, Switzerland 25. These are all the top countries, Turkey 25, talking about uh, NATO and generally Western countries here mostly. Um, every one of these countries is giving all this money and to an organization that is being shown to be corrupt. We need to care about people who are in war zones and people who are being held in perpetual poverty because of policy. We need watchdog groups to watch over the organizations like the UN that is supposed to be protecting them from that. Instead, they're perpetuating it. And I think everybody should know this. And you should call your representative and say, no more money. Because what's going to happen is, and I think probably this is correct, What's going to happen is, is we're going to say, oh, you know, we're holding back the money for now, and then uh, we're going to, they're going to come back and say we fixed it, and uh, then it's all going to come back to where it was before, and that's wrong. The head of uh, UN Watch continues.
3: Well, the problem is that UNRWA is unwilling and unable to. ...perform any kind of serious, independent, genuine inquiry. We've been submitting information, and the case that I will bring today before the Congress is nine years of reports. It's on our website, unwatch.org, the case against UNRWA. We have documented hundreds of UNRWA teachers, school principals, and other employees in Gaza and elsewhere who systematically celebrate jihadi terrorism. They praise Adolf Hitler. They call for the murder of Jews. We brought it before UNRWA and their response was not to take it seriously, but on the contrary, to attack us. Their spokesman for many years, Chris Gunnis, wrote on Twitter, "Uh, don't listen to UN Watch. Journalists, don't listen to them. Pay no attention to them. They tried to make this go away. And in the end, the evidence reported yesterday in the Wall Street Journal and other newspapers UNRA teachers, social workers, and others were actually involved, as you said, in the terrorist attacks of October 7th, which involved murder, rape, torture, mutilation of Israeli civilians.
2: When it's the peace workers who are doing this, it's such a deep, evil situation. My friends, you know, anti-Semitism, by the way, this is the Pastor Scott Show. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, one of the reasons that, you know, governments, when we are involved in this, it's harder to track that money, right? It's, uh, and you've got to watch charities and you got to watch every group. But when you have terrorist organizations who just want to steal the money, it's one thing. But then when you have the organization that's supposed to be there for peace and there for humanitarian reasons— who are participating in the violence and participating in the worst of the worst, that has to get exposed and you have to stop sending money to that organization.
3: Look, since we made our revelations and the files came out about uh, UNRWA workers involved in the violence, and we're talking about an estimated 1,200 UNRWA employees in Gaza who are actual Hamas or Islamic Jihad operatives in the political or military organization, and it is clear that uh, you know uh, more than a dozen states pulled about a billion dollars of funding so far. In the past weekend, they froze the funding. Our concern is that this is you know theatrical, performative, and they'll want to reinstate it quickly and say the inquiry was done. They've made changes. Look, the truth is that UNRWA, the very purpose of UNRWA is to tell Palestinians that the war of 1948 is not over. Keep fighting. Your home is not in Gaza. Your home is in Tel Aviv or Haifa and so forth. And the the reality is we need to abolish UNRWA. There are other agencies that can do the work. The Palestinians need to govern themselves. UNRWA's financing of health and education only meant that Hamas was able to use their taxes to build hundreds of miles of terror tunnels, to buy rockets and weapons, which they used to carry out the massacre of October 7th.
2: For people who've been paying attention, if you UN watch, if you go to their website, they have studies that they've published now for 10 years on how this is building up. 10 years of employees for the United Nations through this program who are advocating for jihad, who are openly anti-Semitic, who are, we shouldn't be surprised that this is the deal. And this is a big part of the problem and something that we should realize. And I think spiritually, when you get into you know, Christian thinking about this and the importance of Israel and how close we are to the end, I wonder if we just don't want to believe that this kind of evil hatred towards a people group can exist. I mean, we can talk about racism and the evil that has been done here to people through slavery and other things that has been done, and that has been real, and it's been justified. It's come from the government. It's come from uh, sometimes even believers uh, defend that kind of thing, or they say don't get involved or whatever. There's world history of hate for people for all kinds of stupid reasons. I don't know why we seem to want to deny this. Uh, listener is texting, says, I, I have a feeling U.S. doesn't want enemies. Our country doesn't even question it. They fund Israel, whatever it's doing, no matter what Netanyahu wants, and the U.N. and Iran. Like, we fund everybody. And everything, I think, is kind of the idea. And, you know, do we... There's lots of reasons, you know, for those kinds of things, it's kind of like some wealthy people will support all the political candidates running that way it doesn't matter who wins, you still have influence, right? There's there's some of that thinking there. But here we're talking about some of the most significant hate. You know, how is it that God that Hamas is complaining that they don't have food for people but they have no problem importing missiles that they can continuously launch? thousands and thousands of missiles. How are those getting in if you can't get food in? you know How is it that billions and billions of dollars are coming in and the people are still impoverished and no government can form and there's so many other problems? How is it that you have 13,000 aid workers in these areas just from one organization, the UN, and they are a part of it? This is a reason that you know, I think we should not be surprised, especially when it comes to to Israel, but we should not be surprised that there is evil, that systems themselves can be evil, that whatever the reason is for the aid and not questioning it, and even when you have a watchdog group like UN, the UN Watch, who openly have been questioning this for years with documentation, and I read one thing today where somebody accused them of just making it up. And they're like, no, no, we have, the, we have this right here. And they say, well, you don't know if those people are actually teachers. No, actually, we do. And they showed, you can like Google the name of the person and go to their Facebook page, and there they are. And they're like, well, you, you don't know that you didn't just make that up. And that tends to be the argument, right? You can just keep saying that nothing is true and just deny and deny and deny and deny. That's part of the evil. That's part of the evil, evil plan. You know, as you pray for our country, as you think about the difficult things that we're going through. Part of that prayer needs to be that evil schemes, wherever they are coming from, come to the surface and they come out. This has been going on a long time. The the UNRWA group has been accused now of concealing Hamas military in their own buildings, in the classrooms, that they're a part of that, that they hide explosive devices, uh, that they hide AK-47 rifles and propelled. They're probably up to their eyeballs in it, all of those people. Uh, this is a big deal. It's a really huge deal. And there should be a global response to this that says this should not be acceptable. There should be a global response. And that's something I think that we should pray for. And you should tell your representatives, you can go to their website, just send them an email. No more UNRWA, U-N-R-W-A. Just find another group of people that would really help people. Find a way to make sure that the money actually goes to help Palestinian people to help the kids find a way to do that. It's, it is outrageous, not just to discover this all of a sudden, but that it's not surprising that the evidence has been there for years and years and years. How often does this, this happen? I think it happens quite a bit. And I think, you know, it shouldn't surprise us when it's happening in Israel. The Bible ultimately tells us that the world will stand against Israel in the end. And that's who the United Nations represents. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show, Eric and others. I'll get to your calls uh, as the Pastor Scott Show returns in just a couple of moments. You can follow us right now on uh, Instagram and uh, even on TikTok. Yes, we're uh, trying to give our our show to the Chinese government on uh, TikTok. And and uh, you know what? They can have it. Uh, (laughs) And uh, what do we got? X and uh, all the socials at Pastor Scott Show. Just find us and give us a follow at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned.
1: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at Pastorscott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
3: Uh, And as I said last week, let's not impugn the good work of a whole agency uh, because of the potential bad actions here by a small number. I am not dismissing the seriousness. Of the allegations against those employees and whether there's going to be more that will be found hopefully the investigation will uh, will, uh, uh, will will give us more insight it is important and look, the, the, the UNRWA staff and uh, commissioner general and the UN secretary general guterres last week made it clear they're taking this seriously uh, that's our expectation too it's really important that this investigation be as thorough and as transparent and as credible as possible and
2: we're that is uh John Kirby who's a spokesperson for the National Security for the White House uh saying that the United Nations Relief and Works Agency that's what UNRWA stands for I blanked on that in the last segment told you I'd get you that there uh that um they have had several employees who have been arrested for, uh, if they're not dead already, for actually participating in the October 7th attack. And the U.N. Watch, which is the official watchdog group of the United Nations, is claiming today that 3,000 of the 13,000 teachers have been uh, seen online making anti uh, Uh, Israel remarks or anti-Jewish remarks and uh, calling for the death of Israel or joining the Jihad or all of those kinds of things. I'm not really sure that the agency should exist. We're paying it hundreds of millions of dollars a year and not just us. And by us, keep that in mind, I'm going to say that again. Whenever we say the United States does this, that's you and me. It's not magic money that the federal government just has that doesn't come from anywhere. No, it comes from your pocket. You know, or it comes from uh, your debt because it's national debt. Uh, any money that we're given to anybody for anything, that's tax money, right? Anytime the government spends money, whatever it is, it's it's your money that has been taken for those things. A lot of those things are good. Some of them, not so much. I think this is one of them. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Eric in Corona, welcome to the Pastor Sky Show. Hey, Pastor, how are
5: you
2: doing? I'm good, Eric. How are you today?
5: Good. Hey, listen, I want to start the dialogue off with a rhetorical question, but please answer it for me. How did Hamas come into power?
2: Uh, they were elected into power.
5: They were elected into power. And then they
2: murdered all of their uh, – they murdered all their uh, uh, Palestinian Authority uh, opponents, and then they stayed in power. Right. They were supposed to have elections, but they have not had one since 2007.
5: Right. Because, we, because they were elected. Here's the problem we're having in, in a larger worldview – is I'm trying to understand how do we how do we clean laundry with dirty water? We the, the, Spain has had corrupt leaders. The UK has had four prime ministers in seven years. We have a leading presidential candidate with 91 pending felonies.
2: Do you think that any and, one of the hold on? Do any one of those leaders compare with Hamas?
5: No, no. But, but I'm ta- I'm, ta- I'm talking about solving problem. The prime minister. Of, of of Israel himself is under investigation for fraud and corruption. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not I, I'm not talking about the evil. I'm talking about the people that we're, we're that we're putting in charge to solve these problems have ethical and legal questions of their own. So I'm wondering how how do they fix the problem when they're corrupt themselves, not murderously corrupt, but corrupt nonetheless. Yeah.
2: I think that your question is a Good one. You said rhetorical, but uh, I'll answer it.
5: Oh, only, because, only because you and I both know how they became elected. That, that was- oh, I
2: see. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of the questions of of moral authority, and that's a big issue in the world today, right, is why does one group, why does the United States have the authority to do whatever we're going to do to Iran here pretty soon? Right. Well, there's there, why are they the bad guys You know, from a global perspective? Why are they the bad guys and we're the good guys? It's because of moral authority. And what you're getting at is a huge problem, is that if those people with moral authority lose that moral authority for whatever reason, have lost, in uh, my right. opinion. But <laughs> well, in in many ways, you're you're probably right. I think that's in one way we can't get there. Part of the moral authority problem is like the UN is supposed to have moral authority, and then we find out that they're just a part of it, right? That this organization <laughs> that, is a big part of it, right? And so it, that, it's it is a it's a major major global problem.
5: Yeah, and and that's and so. I'm like I think about this, and and you or anybody listening to this, don't understand. I'm not citing with anybody but we have we have close to i think 31 to 38 military facilities within 50 miles of the border of iran
2: yeah a bunch of them
5: and 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 and, and that's a threat to them if we if if we if they had a base in cuba like the russians did that almost led to world war three so my, only, my, my, my other point to this is, is that we have extended ourselves into something in the Middle East that, from a moral authority standpoint, maybe we should. But because of the, the appearance of corruption, that they're calling us the great Satan, and they're saying, listen, they're telling their people who have limited access to information to begin with that the great Satan is within 50 miles of your border. If, the, if, if, if Iran was within 15 miles of our border, the U.S. Marines would be on the border of Canada. Right. Defending that. We would send missiles. We would send missiles and warships to Cuba like we did in 62. Yeah. That, that's, um, what I'm saying is that I don't know. We can't – we're trying to solve the problem by saying we're going to keep introducing more and more military troops, putting more and more military troops. Because these people, again, I'm not defending them, but these people are looking at this and saying, the great Satan, who is ten times bigger than us, has us surrounded. And geographically and technically, we do.
2: So what is – this is a great question. I think it's for people to understand kind of how the world works, right? This is why – and somebody showed me a map of we have Iran surrounded. Right. That's I mean, it's said, yeah. it's. Uh, yeah. But here's the thing. Everybody in the world right now agrees that Iran is the biggest danger in the world. And Half so it's it's and
5: that's part of the problem. It's allowable.
2: Well, you're right. There's all. Of, yeah, you're right. Half the world. <laughs> Half the well, world. I don't know, because even a lot of the other uh, the, you know, the Arab world, they don't like Iran either. They fight each other and Iran just had its own terrorist attack from ISIS inside um, because they they well, compete too, because they compete religiously not- on who gets to be the. Uh, the, um, the caliphate—a uh, whole other issue not, to get in not, the weeds. And
5: you're not Arab, and you're not Arab, so that that, that, that creates there's,
2: another conflict. There's a whole lot it of it. But here's the thing: I think, and I think you bring up a an excellent question for us, is that if you do not, if a country like we have moral authority because we were on the right side of World War One and Two, and and the truth is, is we won both of those wars. You know, one victor of those wars, really, is us. But how long do you get to keep it? You know, we got moral authority because we also went back and we rebuilt Japan and we rebuilt Europe and we made peace with our enemies. That helps us a lot also. And even in Iran, when they have a big earthquake or something, we send them more aid than anybody else. Uh, sure. even our, we, so we that's we a great thing. A, it's a great thing yeah, about our country. And that, but those we things help give a lot us of, moral a lot of authority.
5: Money, a, lot of, a lot of the money that we, that, that we give them is their money. I, I, people people made people made grand fits about Obama giving money to Iran when that money has been frozen since 1981 because uh, Ronald Reagan illegally sold arms to uh, to Iran and we confiscated the money.
2: Yeah, but see, uh, there's a lot of funny business with that, right? But when you're threatening the world with uh, building a nuclear weapon, there's a big difference between Iran building a nuke and even North Korea building a nuke. They're you know, not gonna ever
5: use it. I mean you, you don't you think mean,
2: the Iranians so, will? Yeah. I think I think that's not correct. I think I think they're oh. gonna use it. Oh for sure they're gonna use it. For sure. India they, they don't, India and Pakistan
5: yeah. have been pointing have been pointing nuclear weapons at each other since Yeah, they're
2: 1945. not gonna use it.
5: They're not they're gonna not, use it. And neither and neither and neither are, neither are
2: we. We're not gonna use I it. I, no, 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 Iranians are gonna use it. I'm going to let you go, Eric. I appreciate your call on that. I'll explain the why here in a second. I want to get to some other people here. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And I think that the moral authority question is a big one. And I'm going to give you one, a place where we don't, where we're losing it because we don't say it. And this is a hard one. Okay. But it's really, and I take that back. It's not hard. We just need to say it. We need to come to terms and openly say what Islamic fundamentalism is about. And right now you still have people who are saying two-state solution, two-state solution. But you can't have that conversation if you do not take the Hamas charter, if you do not take the things that Iran is about, if you do not take what the Hezbollah, another group over there is about. They openly do not want a two-state solution. They just want to kill Jews and they want the end of Israel. That's their stated purpose. That's their vision statement that's on the wall, okay? It's It's not a secret. And we pretend that doesn't exist. I think we lose some moral authority because we can't speak directly about evil. And it is an evil philosophy to call for the extermination of any people group. It just is. And if we can't say that if our leaders can't say that, you know, if we try to make excuses for all, stop. I think that's a big part of it. But here's the thing with Iran. In fact, a uh, years ago, a I got to speak to a diplomat. He This is how he put it with the nuclear weapons. He said, you know, with the Russians, you always had mutually assured destruction. You pretty much have the same thing with China. You know, they're not going to nuke us because they know we'll nuke them. All right. And uh, they don't have a. it doesn't help. And he said, with well, even with the North Koreans, the thing is, he said, is you negotiate for peace. And this is what I thought was interesting. He said, you negotiate for peace with North Korea, because at some point that leader is going to die and the next one will come along and maybe he won't be as crazy as the last one. And we haven't been so lucky, but uh, maybe the guy after or maybe it's somebody else after Kim Jong-un will say, hey, this is stupid. Let's fix this. And it's immediately over. And they don't really want to nuke us because we will nuke them. Um, But then he said this about the Iranians, and he said this about the Israel problem in general. He says the problem there is that you don't negotiate for peace. So you negotiate for peace with Russia, and you negotiate for peace with China, you negotiate for peace with North Korea. He then said you negotiate for time with Iran because they have a reason. They'll nuke us knowing that they'll get nuked just because they'll do it for Allah. They'll do it for religious reasons. They get to have what, however many virgins they get to have, and they get to, for the same reason that you'll get in an airplane and crash it into a building, they'll nuke Haifa or they'll nuke some part that's, uh, you know, of Israel or some enemy in the Middle East because they get rewarded religiously. See, and if we do not address the religious component in all of this, then we're not speaking the truth about it. That's a, that's a big problem. And we agree, disagree, you can give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show. Give us a follow right now. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned.
1: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now. Back to the show.
3: The war in Yemen is in its 19-month truce. For now, the Iranian attacks against U.S. forces have stopped. Our presence in Iraq is stable. I emphasize for now because all of that can change. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades.
1: That was
2: Jake Sullivan from uh, the Biden administration in September 2023, just a few days before October uh, 7th happened. And uh, here is what we have uh, from Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of situation
0: State. The as, situation as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973.
2: That's, uh, yesterday he said that it's, the situation is now as dangerous as it's been since 1973. It's amazing how fast things can change and how we can have no idea what's around the corner. You know, in September, oh, this is the greatest the Middle East has ever been, and now it's as dangerous as it's been since 1973, uh, which, by the way, what 's happening now I'm, i'm I'm not as on board with the whole World War three thing there's a lot of you know different conflicts that could happen there's a lot that could break out. We do have kind of a World War I scenario going on um, but what 's happening in the Middle East is not really new if you know your history that should i don 't want to say gives you comfort because what 's happening is terrible, but it should give you some. Perspective on uh, not to worry, but instead to pray that our leaders make good decisions and pray that we do the right thing. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Brett in La Habra, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, hi. Hi, Brett.
6: Yeah, hi. This is like you know just the second time. I hardly ever call into these shows, but I feel like I have to. I've been watching this whole conflict since they invaded October 7th uh you know when they went into the you know mm-hmm. attack Israel and the the point that keeps getting missed here is that Iran is the known sponsor of terrorism they're behind Hamas they're behind Hezbollah they're behind everybody that's surrounding Israel and and it's foolish to think that Iran doesn't have the same plan for America we're, we're the big Satan. Iran is the little Satan. And a, a really good war correspondent named Chuck Holton, he's, he's for the CBN uh, network, he said that, you know, there's no way to make them any more mad at us because they already are. So yeah. <laughs> to, to try to appease Iran and, you know, try to make these nuclear deals and such, it, it's real. You know, I,
2: yeah. Well, we like, talked about yeah. that uh, yesterday. We talked about the idea of peace through strength and how that matters and it would make yeah. a difference and how dangerous right. things are now where I don't know what the Biden administration is going to do. But after 160 attacks, if they would have attacked right away and said, right. don't with a missile or two, none of this might be happening. And the, the right. issue is – and this gets to the moral authority question. And, Brett, I thank you for your call, the moral authority question we were talking about is that instead of us saying, we hope that Iran doesn't escalate, which is true, and we hope they don't, but that shouldn't be the issue. The issue should be, we should be in a position where Iran says, I hope the United States doesn't escalate, right? That's, that is how you deal with this through sort of strength. And we are surrounding Iran with all these little bases. A lot of it had to do with ISIS. A lot of it has to do with the fact that Iran is a state sponsor of terrorism and the hub for that around the world today. They're not the only terrorists, but, uh, you know, Brett, you're right, is that what's happening over there has so much to do with Iran. And I think that part of the problem, getting back to what earlier caller Eric said, is that if we don't, we have to acknowledge that Uh, the world today is going to have to deal with this with moral authority. And it does get harder when you don't have leaders with moral authority. I mean, we've had – leaders are never perfect, right? There's all kinds of crazy stuff. I was in a conversation yesterday about FDR because I'm like President Guy and I think about it. But FDR was having an affair the whole time with uh, uh, Mrs. Mercer, whatever her name was, Lucy, And uh, he was with her when he died. I mean, there's major controversy that was hidden back in the day, like some of that we didn't really realize as a nation uh, until later. You have moral problems with leaders and corruption and stuff going back a long way. If you think – this gives you a little more historical perspective too. like If you think our presidential campaign is nasty now – Uh, go back a few years, you know, go back into the early 1800s. I mean, those guys were ready to duel and shoot each other, like for real. And Andrew Jackson and John Quincy Adams and the horrific things they said about each other. uh, Maybe it's tamer today than it was back then. And somehow we survived. And we have survived with different kinds of corruption and other stuff. I think that the problem is when we refuse to acknowledge it, or we refuse to sort of humbly accept that we're not perfect, and then we take a look at the world and we try to make excuses for evil, whether we're doing that ourselves or we're doing that for uh, Iran. You know, I the thing that concerns me maybe the most about our approach to these things is that we will not just openly talk about the hate that is held by these terrorist groups and the religious fervor that's behind it. See, we don't want to do that because if we do want it, we should do that. But we won't because the greater philosophy of the world today is displayed on that coexist bumper sticker. You might have one in your car right now, and I'm, I'm not picking on you. And I know that what you probably mean is, wouldn't it be great if we all just got along, right? Let's just stop these religious battles. But the thing is, is that most of the faiths or philosophies that are represented. You know what I'm talking about, the coexist. It says the word coexist, except the C is the uh, uh, the crescent from Islam, and the O, I think, is the Jewish uh, Star of David. Eventually you get down to the T, and it's the cross for Christianity. And each letter is is represented a symbol of different faiths. the th- The problem is that what that – I think what most people are trying to say is, hey, let's just get along together. And most of the time uh, we do, actually, except for there's one of those letters that seems to be always involved every single time. Uh, And it's because religiously they have a reason for that. And if we don't accept that, if we don't take a look at, say, the Hamas Charter and read it and say, oh, that's what they're about, then we can't accurately talk about the world today. And the problem with the coexist thing, in my view, is that it's trying to also communicate that. All religions are the same, that we should be able to all get along because every belief system is the same. And the problem with that is if you're saying that, what you're saying logically is that they're all wrong, that there's no true religion. And none of those religions believe that. Every one of them thinks they're the true religion. You know, sometimes people get bugged like that uh, Christianity is exclusive because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And we say that as, as Christians, that uh, the way to salvation is through Christ alone. And and people say, "Ah, oh, you can't be exclusive. You mean the imam down at the mosque is, he's down there saying, well, you know what? The Buddhists might be right and the Baptists might be right. And, the, you know, he's not saying that. He's saying he's right. And the people in the whatever religion you want, they're saying they're right it's everybody's exclusive on that. And it's offensive to uh, say that you're wrong, right? To somebody. But so the problem with that is that that's the philosophy of the world today is that religion is the problem or that religion is all the same. And the, the difficulty with that ultimately is that if you go down the road of saying, maybe all religions are not the same, maybe there are philosophies and religions and cultural practices that are evil, And as soon as you say that, well, now you've undone the coexist bumper sticker. Now you've undone what's taught in most of our universities about religion. Now you have undone things. And then you got to say, okay, well, if this philosophy is evil or this, this particular cultural element of this group of people over here is evil or not as good, maybe not evil, but maybe it's just not as good for whatever reason, factually, scientifically, you name it. You know, now all of a sudden you've got to have the discussion, well, If that's evil or this isn't true, then what is true? And as soon as you have the what is true conversation, now you're unraveling all of the uh, 21st century philosophy that's trying to say that anything's true and everybody's true and you can have your own truth and all of that. And that's going to lead you to some hard questions about the purpose of life and some hard questions about the existence of God, the purpose of human beings, the nature of human beings. And if you go down that road, it might lead you to the Bible. And if it leads you to the Bible, you're going to read Genesis 1 through 3 and discover that a lot of the answers that we have for this world are right there and you're going to read through the bible and you're going to see a history that predicts exactly what's happening in the middle east today how we got there why this is happening it's a 5000 year old problem ultimately why it's all there in the scriptures it's right there and uh you know and then you're going to discover where it's going and then you're going to look at the news and you're going to say you know The Bible seems to indicate that history is going to culminate in Jerusalem, and that there's going to be a battle of Armageddon, and there's this and that, and Jesus is going to come back, and his feet are going to touch down, and you know what? The world seems like it's headed that way. Whether you believe it or not, sit down and read the book of Revelation. Just spend two hours and read it. You won't understand half of it, but you'll understand the the main purpose. You will get it, and then turn on the news, then read the newspaper, then take a look at Israel, and you know what you're going to say is you're going to say, huh? I'm not sure about those Christians, and I'm not sure about all those pastors and the things that happen in organized church or disorganized church or whatever, but it sure seems like the world is headed to a point that's exactly where the Bible says it's headed, and I think you should think about that and dispel with the notion that everybody's right or that everybody has their own truth, because that's not true with anything you know. That's not true with physics it's not true, you know, if I decide I'm going to jump off the roof, I'm going to fall. That's just the way it is. That is a a fact. And spiritually, the facts are the same. Spiritually, things work the same. And if there is a God, who created us, who created the world, who created us with a purpose, who allowed us the opportunity to follow him or to fall, and we fell, and there's a consequence of that, and we don't get to decide what the consequence is. It's just the way it is in cosmic justice, that that has to be fulfilled, and that according to that God, it gets fulfilled with the sacrifice of a Messiah on the cross, and by the way, that person is Jesus, and if you believe in him, you have ever everlasting life. That, If that's true, then everything else is not. And if that's true, it's really good news, because everything else forces you to do as many good things as possible to earn your salvation or to earn heaven or whatever it is. Christianity says, uh, no, it's been earned for you by Jesus, and wherever you're at— You can find forgiveness, and you can find grace, but you got to confess and receive Jesus Christ. If you want to know more about that, you can reach out to us here at The Pastor Scott Show. My email address is pastorscott at kkla.com, pastorscott at kkla.com. You can also find us on social media, at Pastor Scott Show, on X and uh, Twitter and uh, TikTok and uh, Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. Everybody, we're done for today. Thanks for your calls. I'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5 on The Pastor Scott Show. Good night